A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Premier League All Access with me, Sam Matterface, and alongside me, as always, Talk Sports Chief Football Correspondent Alex Crook. And he enjoyed it so much last time that the former Chelsea and Middlesbrough midfielder and Republic of Ireland legend Andy Townsend is in the building. Here's what's coming up on the show. Football. You've got to feel for Liverpool. Luis Diaz had a goal ruled out. It was 0-0. Liverpool were a man down. When Diaz goal stands, you start the game again. Because it's such an outrageous mistake. We need to know what is going on at that, at that time at Stockley Park. Technology isn't really the issue here. So where you, wherever you stand on VAR, it is about the human implementation of it. Darren England and Dan Cook thought that the goal had been given. That was the answer. And as a result of that, they said check complete. So we will not get anything out of that today, so it doesn't help. We have to work all together on the subject that we make right decisions. And um, I'm pretty sure nobody is making mistakes on purpose. The general standard of officiating in this country, which has got significantly worse, in my opinion, since the introduction of VAR. You need to be very, very strong, resilient mentally to put yourself back in that position and say, well, I'm going to go again. I think that's all part of the process now of the following week. Spurs 2, Liverpool 1, heavily influenced by that goal that didn't stand. Luis Diaz scoring at 0-0 when already Liverpool were down to 10 players. Um, and you know, it's, congratulations to Spurs because they've overcome Liverpool for the first time since 2017. But I thought Jurgen Klopp dealt with this in an admirable way, really, because... I mean, I've spoke, we've spoken to Alan Pardew, actually, the two of us earlier in the day. And we said, you know, how would you have reacted if it had gone the other way? And he, he said, I would have gone balmy. The emotions that are going through are crazy. The fact that they told Jurgen Klopp at half time, I think, gave him 45, 50 minutes to calm down before he was in front of the cameras. Yeah. I think also he knew that he was coming from a position of strength. He didn't need to tell us that the wrong decision had been made because everybody else could see that through their own eyes. So actually, I think it was quite clever um, from Jurgen Klopp not to get himself into trouble with the authorities and actually to let the the public uh, be the jury. It was a massive moment in the game. Obviously, the game was finally poised at that point. I think Curtis Jones' red card, probably we agree by law, was a red card. Jota's a bit unlucky because the first booking isn't a booking, but having 
picked up that yellow card. I think he needs to take some responsibility for then going in with a brainless challenge, in my opinion, that is always going to result in a second yellow card. But obviously, there's no defending the indefensible when it comes to the Diaz incident. In fairness, the PGMOL haven't done that. They released a statement. They admitted human error. And obviously, they've stood down both the VAR and his assistant from their games on Sunday is and Monday. That, is that the right thing to do? Is that, I mean, is it the right thing to do? Because are we not in a situation where if we're constantly, every time an official makes a mistake, you make a mistake sometimes when you're commentating, you make a mistake sometimes when you're breaking a story or you might be writing a story and you put the wrong word in it or whatever. I might call the wrong player occasionally or, or tell a fact about someone that isn't right because I, I made a mistake. That happens every now and again. And you chastise yourself, you beat yourself up, you get better the next time. Do you think but by taking them off the game, you're actually making them a, an example of them, punishing them too heavily and actually putting the fear of making bad decisions in their mind, which makes everything a little bit more fearful and, 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 and I don't know, Put them on edge. Put them on bit. edge, yeah. Um, look, unfortunately, the mistakes we make, and we do make them, aren't, aren't ruining the match. Unfortunately, if you're an official and if you're a Premier League official, um, then you make a high-profile mistake when your job is to check a goal. To, to now all of a sudden hear that they weren't sure about the on-field decision and, and, and whether or not they should be. Well, they told us they thought that the goal had been given and therefore they said check complete because they didn't see a reason to disallow oh, the goal. Come Do you on. not think that's true? Oh, I, I, look, I'd like to hear the audio. That would convince me more. It's not a brilliant defence if it isn't true. So I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to hear the audio of, of what went on there. But if you're striving for excellence, Sam, and we are, we know our officials are going to make mistakes. Referees aren't going to spot everything as it happens in real time. This is why we have what we have now. This is this system that is in place to, to check and to double check and to make sure that as near as damn it, we get a lot of these calls right. The subjective ones are still up for debate. Mm. The subjective handballs and the penalties, they're still very much up for debate and whether something was clear and obvious, that still freaks out fans and gets into the minds of everybody that's watching it. But an offside, a, a, a basic offside, and whether it was a goal and whether it wasn't, I'm afraid is totally and utterly unacceptable. Are, are we now in, a, in danger, though, of losing complete faith in VAR and the system as it is working and the officials as they are working at this moment in time? And look, I've done a lot of work with the PGMOL, studying the laws of the game, understanding and trying to explain decisions away when sometimes they're controversial. We do our best to give them balance because we know it's a difficult job. We know they're finding it very hard to recruit referees and train referees to a certain standard. But has this incident undermined a lot of the work that Howard Webb has been doing over the course of the last eight months since he took over in trying to build trust and relationships in order to have that understanding? Because now, you know, I think we sort of almost, as a media initially, tacitly accepted, oh, well, there must be something that we haven't seen on that VAR. I don't know what you were like when you were broadcasting it, but I know that Gary Neville sort of almost sort of didn't talk about it afterwards because he, he just admitted that he, he heard the VAR say check complete, thought that was a bit strange, but oh, there, must, there must be something in it for whatever reason, and they moved on. Are we now going to be in a situation where every call they make be asking the question, well, have they got that right? Well, I think we're already there. You know, if we go back to three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, when Paul Heckingbottom had that rant after Sheffield United lost at Spurs, and he was basically saying that the people refereeing games don't understand the rules. And I think actually 
VAR has put doubt in the minds of our officials and in some cases I think it has scrambled their brains. I think also, I know you'll say there were teething problems in other countries. Not but, as bad as this. But they seem to catch up and, and work out how best to utilise the technology a lot quicker than we have. Alexi Lalas, actually, the, the former American player, responded to our colleague on Twitter and said VR, VAR isn't the problem, it's the way that you, use it as English, are yeah. utilising it. And I think that's a massive problem. On the field itself, and you know, listen, there's other VAR decisions that we have to talk about a little bit later on, very, very briefly. But on the field itself, actually, Liverpool, the fact that they played so well with nine men for a long time, it was heartbreaking for Joel Matip to concede that goal in the 96th minute of the game, bearing in mind how well they had done. But actually, I think, I, having what I've seen of Liverpool so far this season, I've seen them a few times now, they aren't quite perfect, but they've got a bit of that mentality monster back again, haven't yeah. they? And that makes them title challenges. Yeah, I think it does. I think they need to get out of this habit of conceding the first goal. Obviously, it happened again. It's been going on a long time now. At the weekend. <laughs> but, you know, their powers of recovery look like they might see them through to at least a point. I think Jurgen Klopp would have gone into the dressing room afterwards and been proud of his players' efforts with nine men in particular and probably would have said, look, we didn't lose that game. We had a goal chalked off that shouldn't have been. We were playing with nine men. I think they'll take an awful lot of confidence from it. On the flip side, you saw the scenes again, same as against Sheffield United when Spurs managed to find a way to win in stoppage time. I think they've got a different mentality, a different mindset under Ange Postacoglu. I wouldn't say they're title contenders. That might be over-egging it slightly, but they're certainly banging contention for the top four. In fact, I would say I expect them to finish in the top four. Yeah. Big Ange has had a good ride, though, hasn't he? That's I mean. great. <laughs> great, and they love him. I mean, I haven't quite seen witness scenes like that that I saw at Spurs after the game. Um, look, a dramatic finish, and that's always going to encourage people to really get... Really but they're enjoying it. it. Listen, it's got to be fun, hasn't but it? And do you know, when was the last time it was fun at Tottenham? I, I like, I see a team. I see a team with a way of playing. That's, and, and that, you know, this word identity now, it's not always relevant to some. Um, there are plenty of managers that are coming into clubs in the Premier League that I'm not really seeing. I don't see much of an identity with what Ten Hag is doing at the minute. I don't really see that. But what I do see is with Postacoglu, I see... I see everybody knowing what they're doing, what's expected of them. I think the dynamic in midfield is great. Um, and I like the way that they are prepared to dominate the ball in tight areas, to release people maybe with a little bit of time and space. And they'll do it on the edge of their own box. They'll do it on the halfway line. They'll do it in the last third. And they're not going to change from that. It's good to watch. Um, I was looking at the team yesterday. Um, obviously, the new goalie who's replaced um, Lloris. Hugo Lloris. Um, you've got Madison that's coming to the group. Mickey and van der Ven. You've got, and, and Mickey van der Ven. In terms of the amount of players that they've used to upgrade that squad, though, van der Ven is probably, him and Madison, the only two new players, really. I mean, goalkeeper, obviously, different as well. But outfield players, only two new players. And they've lost Harry Kane. And they've lost Hugo Lloris. Is Ange Postacoglu making Antonio Conte look a little bit stupid? <laughs> Big time. Because what he's doing, he's getting a tune-out players that Conte couldn't. You look at Papsar... Even more so in Basuma. I mean, the contrast between the Basuma that we saw for much of last season wasn't even getting picked by the end of it. So what we're seeing now, we're seeing the all-energy midfielder that did so well at Brighton. The fact that Conte couldn't get that tune out of him, I think, is a, is a failure on his coaching CV. 
So we've already bought you seven goals. Let's see if we can bring you a hatful more down here at the Vitality Stadium. Bournemouth yet to win in the Premier League. Arsenal yet to lose. Jesus heads it back across goal. Surely it's a goal from Saka. It is a goal from Bakaya Saka, who could just nod it home from a yard out. Infield it goes to Zinchenko. Gets it back to Nketiah. Goes down under pressure. Penalty kick. Martin Odegaard against Neto to double Arsenal's lead. Runs up, left-footed, and sends the keeper the wrong way. Buries it in the bottom corner. Sent back to Odegaard. Odegaard goes down. Another penalty for Arsenal. Although now Kai Havertz is being beckoned forward. This is absolutely massive for Kai Havertz's career at Arsenal. Left-footed. Havertz sent in the wrong way. It's 3-0. Kai Havertz is off the mark. And Arsenal have a fourth. Ben White heading home from Martin Odegaard kick down the right hand side of the area Arsenal have won comfortably here and go second in the Premier League just behind that losing Manchester City side full time of the vitality Bournemouth nil, Arsenal 4 Arsenal maintaining their unbeaten start to the season they netted 4 against struggling Bournemouth uh, Bournemouth struggling um, in terms of I think finding their identity under Andoni Iriola but Arsenal certainly on. Perry Groves was a little bit annoyed about the fact that um, he left on some of his big hitters in the second half when the game was won because one of the problems they had last year was running out of, of steam. Should he have taken them off earlier? I, I, I don't think so. I think sometimes, um, I think when a team is, has got themselves into the real box seat in a match, when you get two or three up, it's when they really start to enjoy it. That's why Ben White got up there in the, in the box and nodded the fourth one in because I think all of a sudden the freedom is there and it's nice to have your players absolutely full of confidence. And, and look, I, I, I'm, I think there's two ways you can look at that. I wouldn't be critical of Mikel Arteta letting his players really enjoy that moment um, and, 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 and I think in absorbing that feeling of being totally dominant and really amongst the goals. I think that's, that's important for them to get that ruthless element in their game again. Got a nice Champions League group, haven't they, really? Oh. Yep. Um, the dream group, and they and they're playing on Tuesday night again. And I think you know they they not hit the hit the ground running is probably the wrong way of saying it. But even if they haven't got the connections right in that midfield area, and even out on that left hand side where it hasn't quite been a consistent selection, Jesus played there again. You know they've got Trossard who had an injury issue. Yeah. They've had an issue with Martinelli as well. Declan Rice still he's playing well, but he's finding his feet in this team. It's a nice start to the season for Arsenal, isn't it? Bearing in mind that they've put, what, 17 points on the board now? Yeah, and if you can put 17 points on the board and cruise to victory in your first Champions League game and we're saying they've not hit top gear yet, then that's a sign they're in for a very good season. Obviously, they've got a massive test now next weekend against the Manchester City side who are going to want to bounce back from what happened at Molyneux. But if they can win that game, and it's a big if because Arteta's record against Guardiola is lamentable, despite the fact Perry was trying to claim a, a draw at Wembley as a victory in that game. Did beat him in an FA Cup semi-final as well. But if, if, he can, if he can get that elusive first Premier League win over his old manager... That's a heck of a statement that Arsenal are very much part of this title race. Looking forward to that next week. Are you going to that one? No, I'm not going to that one. I'm not at that one on the, at the weekend, but I shall most certainly be watching that one. I mean, oh, I think... Wait. And for me, I, I've, whenever I've seen Arsenal and, and, and Mikel Arteta take a team and put a team up against Guardiola, I've always felt... I've always felt Arteta's trying to out-pep Pep. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Out-overthink well, Pep. Well, yeah. Yeah, and don't do that. Let them go. Let them go. They've got enough. Yeah. Let them go. 
I'm not totally convinced about where City are just at the minute by their incredibly high standards. Because they lost on Saturday against Wolverhampton Wanderers 2-1. You were there and there was a Rodri-sized hole in the middle of yeah. the park. Yeah, that midfield combination didn't work in the first half. Kovacic it? and Nunez, Nunez. It, it lacked dynamism. Guardiola admitted that to me afterwards. Interestingly, he didn't turn to Calvin Phillips to try and inject that dynamism. He went for uh, a youngster in Oscar Bob instead, which probably tells you that Phillips has got to get out of that football club in January because well, he's, I think he's, he's not going to get the minutes. What he said last week sort of gave it away when he said that Bielsa gave uh, Calvin the best co- uh, period of his career. I, I'm sorry, I haven't been able to to do that we went we went to the, as a club to him in the summer and he said he wanted to stay and we always like people that want to learn basically saying i'm yeah. not going to use him so it's time for you to leave um, unless yeah. you find a gear or two you're not going to play yeah. and he looks to me at the moment calvin phillips is miles off the pace he looks com- totally short of match practice and confidence i'd imagine as well confidence as yes confidence has, has absolutely gone but he don't look, he doesn't look he doesn't look sharp. How would you react as a player in that situation? We've all, any, we've all been there, Sam. All been there in, in moments when, um, when confidence is low. I was always lucky enough, and I say lucky enough, I, I, I was all invariably selected most times, but there was lots of times when I knew teammates were looking at me as if to say, how's he playing today? Maybe sometimes when you're skipper, you get the nod in that respect over others that perhaps would get more leeway yeah you get a bit more leeway you do plenty of times when i know that i've looked in the mirror and said to myself you know come on you need to you need to liven up a bit here you're not doing enough so we've all been there and and you can you can listen to this one you can listen to that one if i was calvin phillips i'd shut the door look at myself in the mirror and and say i need to do more i've got to find more from somewhere you can't keep blaming it on this and blaming it on that, it comes back to you and you've got to find the answers to it. Yeah, it was an interesting quote from Pep Guardiola afterwards uh, when he was sort of asked about whether or not possibly complacency had set in or whatever. He said, when you win four Carabaos in a row and five Premier Leagues in six years, this is not complacency. It's a game of football and your opponent can beat you. Uh, And the opponent did very well. The game plan was excellent. We've already paid tribute to Gary O'Neill, the way he set his team up. I think we're all a little bit sort of don't really get why the Wolves fans haven't taken to him, bearing in mind that they've done very well against Liverpool and lost. They ran out of steam. I think maybe they just didn't have the stamina to be able to keep going as, uh, for 90 minutes. They were very good against Manchester United, should have got something out of that game and obviously have now beaten Manchester City. I mean, actually, it's been a very good start for someone who's come in five days before the season. Yeah, it's been superb and, and so many standout performers from the Wolves team. Matthias Cunha, how disciplined he was, leading the press, doing his defensive duty from the front, the speed of mind that he showed to actually lay the ball off to uh, Huang for the winner. Huang's energy, the fact he scored five goals already this season. Lamina was excellent in midfield as well. Semedo uh, gave City a real problem down their left-hand side. And then there was Craig Dawson, who for me was absolutely imperious up against Erling Haaland. And whisper it quietly. I'm not sure Haaland is in tip-top form at the moment. You, you have to play. You have to be brave. When, when Newcastle played against City in the week last week was it last week? Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday night. When you and, and first half it was all City, all City, all City, and you're thinking it's only a matter of time. Second half, when Newcastle decided, look, let's not wait to go one down before we have a go at this team. We've got to, you've got to be brave enough 
to have people to run and run beyond City's players. If you just keep passing, 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 we'll keep the ball, we'll keep the ball, and hopefully they can't hurt us. That, they're, they're not phased by that, Manchester City. The, the way you hurt City is you've got to be brave enough to take them on and to run past them. And Wolves, for all their deficiencies, have got boys that want to yeah. do that. Pedro Neto, we didn't mention Neto, that. Cunha. All these boys want to run. And they're not perfect. I mean, Neto, actually, I think he's going to be a real top player. Yeah. Um, Cunha, I think, has got so much potential, but hasn't got that final X factor in front of goal. No. And Huang, what he lacks in technique and, and quality, yeah. he makes up for an endeavour, fitness, and just a bit of a knack for being in the right place at the right time. Actually, he walked past us in the tunnel when I was speaking to Gary O'Neill and Gary turned to him and said, uh, you're still running, Hwangy? You know, yes. Yeah, all yeah. your energy's there. Yeah, yeah still. No, they, 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 they've, I, I like what Gary does. I liked what he was doing at Bournemouth. I thought it was incredibly tough on him, that decision, but one he had to take on the chin. And, and again, applaud him for getting back in at, at the earliest opportunity. And there are, there, are, there are certain traits that he's got in his team that I think plenty of other Premier League teams would love. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Are you sitting comfortably? <laughs> no, not overly. Uh, 34 years, the last time that Manchester United were this bad. They were beaten by Crystal Palace by a goal to nil. Roy Hodgson is the first manager to string together five unbeaten Premier League visits in a row to Old Trafford. And when he was asked about it afterwards, he said, well, everyone keeps talking about it, but I don't remember them. I do remember this one, though. <laughs> uh, well, we can uh, re- remember it as well, because actually it was another performance by Manchester United, which was incredibly disappointed. I got up on Sunday morning to watch the game back. And I just could not believe how bad some of the key individuals were. Casemiro, Rashford, the level of performance is just not up to it. I mean, you've got, and I watched Mason Mount a lot because I know that he had come in for a lot of criticism. Because you love him. Uh, and because I love him. Um, <laughs> but, but I thought, I'm going to watch to see what he does and compare it to what the others are doing. And I was watching that first half and I thought, 
This kid is running up and down like a lunatic, getting into the spaces, demanding the ball off people, laying it off perfectly, good weight of pass, asking, demanding the ball off other people. And then I'm looking at Rashford and I'm thinking, every decision he makes is the wrong one. When he gets the ball and he's into the, the final third, every decision he makes seems to be the wrong one, whether it's to cross the ball, pass the ball, he overhits it, doesn't get it right, or he runs into traffic. He looks like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. Casemiro, I do know, know what has happened to that fella over the course of the summer. But everything about his game has completely gone. Um, well, I, I, was, I, did the, uh, I was doing the Carabao Cup game against Palace in midweek for TalkSport. Um, so after that, because Palace was so desperately bad in the first half of that game, and quite frankly, in most of the second, but Royalton made a few changes and brought Eze on and one or two others, and they looked a little better. But they were so bad, I could not possibly have made a case for Palace doing anything at Old Trafford at the weekend. So to hear that United was so bad, now whether because they strolled the midweek game, they, they just felt like it, by turning up, and it'll happen, it'll happen, it'll happen, and football don't work like that, when I, I think of the experienced players that they've got out there, and I think, well, there's no way that they would start a game very lackadaisical. Well, they didn't. Just... They started really well. So the first 15 minutes, they had 86% possession, four shots on goal. They concede the first goal in the game, and the same thing happens as always. They collapse. They go to pot. I mean, the goal was a terrific goal for Anderson, wasn't it? It was out, came out of nothing. It was hell of a strike. That, you know, I mean, I know, did it go between his hands, the goalie? I'm not sure. But it, but it was a good, that was a, a good hit. And... Probably, as you say, uh, rock them and set them back. And they most certainly wouldn't have expected to be one behind, particularly after two days before that, absolutely strolling the game against Palace in midweek. So, look, I, I, I was very, very surprised at the level of performance. I've only seen highlights of it, but I've heard enough from everybody. Um, and United flucked, go from the sublime to the ridiculous, literally in a matter of days. And why that is, I have no idea. The goal comes about because Casemiro has a heavy touch and then commits a bad tackle. The ball runs out wide. Amrabat has to chase a player he a fouls him, doesn't he? out yeah. towards the left-hand side. Are you know what he's like. He yes. wins more fouls than anybody else. And, and Amrabat hasn't learned that about him yet. Correct. He's a little bit over-eager, gives away the free kick. The free kick comes in. Hoyland misses his header, doesn't quite get the connection on it. Lindelof has been bullied at the back post by uh, Anderson, he's been pushed out of the way and Anderson's made himself some room and he executes the shot and he scores. But that's the kind of thing that Manchester United are doing too often. Little mistakes, constant unforced errors that are handing the initiative and then as soon as they go 1-0 down, they just, there's, there's not enough sort of character to be able to come back. How does that happen with Amrabat, with Varane, with Anana, this big character? You know, with, with all of the players that they've got, Bruno Fernandes, Casemiro, Champions League winners, how do they not have the character to be able to weather those storms and deal with those situations? Well, it shows a lack of backbone. And actually, if you look at Manchester United's DNA, certainly in the Premier League era, certainly in the Fergie days, it was all about character and the powers of recovery. We, we joke about Fergie time because it was a thing. The number of points that Manchester United rescued from losing situations. With this group of individuals, you know that they're fine 
all the time it's going well, but as soon as they face a little tiny bit of adversity, mm. they will. So there is a lack of leadership. There's a lack of backbone. But they had there's a lack of character. Year. Do you remember last year there was a spell in the winter, January, February time, they were trailing. They came back from behind against Barcelona. They came back from behind against West Ham in the Cup. They came back from behind against Fulham in the FA Cup quarterfinal. They went through a series of games where they were showing that mentality. What has happened? Well, that was at a time when Ten Hag, with his substitutions, I remember particularly the Barcelona game when he made changes at half-time, and it seemed that everything he did turned to gold, and that led us to wax lyrical about his in-game management. He seems to have lost his way because the changes that he is making, at times he's making them too late. I think he should have made changes at half-time in this game on Saturday because the game was clearly going away from United, and the changes he is making aren't having the desired impact. I've defended Ten Hag a lot on this podcast. I'm struggling to def defend him this weekend. I didn't like the team selection. I felt like Harry Maguire played his way into the team I thought against Harry Palace did, did in well midweek. I thought he did, yeah. I felt like Palistri and Garnacho should have both started. If that means Marcus Rashford has to watch the game from the bench, well, look at your form, fella. You don't deserve a place in this starting lineup. So after how well those young players did against Palace in midweek, Hannibal as well, it was an opportunity actually for Ten Hag to send a message to the senior players who have been underperforming, you've got to earn a place in this team. He didn't do that. And I think he's picking teams now on reputation and not on performances, which is ironic when you look at the Sancho situation. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised about Hannibal Mensbury not starting. Bearing in mind he started the last two games and actually they won uh, both those games and he played well in them. He, he sort of... He gets up and down and he's very energetic and he's very enthusiastic. And he's, he's not got the quality of the others, no, I understand no. that. But he's, he's, what he is, he's giving them legs that they haven't got elsewhere. Correct. Casemiro needs that more than anything. If he doesn't have legs around him, he's really going to struggle. Because as, as decorated as an individual as he is um, and is a top player, there's no question about that, he cannot get around the park. And if he, hasn't got, if he hasn't got the right blend in and around him, then Ten Hag is absolutely going to have a problem. Whenever they, in those moments when they lose possession in the transition, they are going to be very vulnerable if Casemiro is the only one sat in front of two centre-halves. I'm worried about Manchester United because I think they're going to get themselves into a difficult situation here, especially with the games that are coming up. They've got a big, huge derby match coming at the end of this month. If they find themselves in the bottom half of the table going into November, December, yeah. there's going to start to be a lot more questions about Eric Ten Hag than there are right now. Yeah. That in itself is going to be an issue because they've recruited for Eric Ten Hag. So... I don't know what the solution to these problems are. No, they they, uh, they blow so hot and cold, United. They have spells in matches where I like the look of what I see and I think everyone inside of Old Trafford gets excited and revved up about it. And then they, they drop away at such an alarming rate. It's like they go off a cliff uh, in, in the other direction. And, and so that, as for a coach, can be quite difficult sometimes to actually sort out. If it's... If it's individual errors, just individual errors, sloppy mistakes, you can, you can with personnel, with changes and with, with a different uh, coaching methods with that individual, you can sometimes change that. But when the team uh, looks so good one minute and then so vulnerable the next and then so wide open and so many people are out of position uh, doing the, making poor decisions, um, that can be sometimes really difficult to find the solutions to, Sam. I, 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 like you, only see United at the moment always on the edges of everything that's going on in the Premier League and no better than that. I think the most alarming aspect for me is listening to his interviews after the game, particularly with Mickey Gray on TalkSport. For the first time, it felt like Ten Hag 
was out of ideas, that he was exasperated and didn't necessarily know how to fix these problems, and that isn't a good sign. How are you feeling now? Oh, absolutely ecstatic, especially when you remind me there's a Manchester derby on the horizon, which I think we're going to be at together. That'll be fun. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Um, OK, let's get to uh, Villa Park, because that was an absolute goal fest. The first meeting of Europe's wildcards first. Aston Villa against Brighton on the home of football, the wonderful Talk Sport. Again with a lovely ball down the right side and Cash is getting forward. Watkins running in the centre and Watkins taps it home. Unai Emery's put all of his eggs in the Watkins basket, hasn't he, in terms of forward players. But they are on their best league run at home since 1983. And on the uh, day that the run ended in October 1983, Culture Club were number one with... Do you really want to hurt me? Ah, Karma Chameleon, you oh. went the wrong one. <laughs> Quickly on from the RB to Watkins down the left channel. Rightfully draw towards the near post. It's another brilliant Ollie Watkins goal for the RB. Saved by uh, the goalkeeper, then turned into his own net by purpose. Esther Stipinian. It's an own goal. And Brighton are collapsing. If I was Villa, I'd be very, very conscious of sitting back and trying to hang on. He's back inside the penalty. He's brought down the ball, smuggled into the goal by Ansu Fati, who walks away and cheers. Watkins cuts in, Nefferty drives the ball. Goal! Wins, takes the deflection, and it's in. And that should be game set match. Watkins has made the difference once again. Here is Ramsey on the left-hand side of right foot. He drives towards the far post. It's in off the post and in. It's going to be 10 out of 10 for Emery's men. Back out and slid in by Douglas Louise from the edge of the penalty area and into an empty net. And it's six for Aston Villa. Aston Villa six, Brighton one. It wasn't a 6-1 game. And that's really, it sounds stupid because Aston Villa now have won 10 consecutive Premier League games, which shows, I think, a degree of character that was definitely missing prior to the arrival of Unai Emery. He deserves credit for that. Only Manchester City are on a longer ongoing home winning run. They've won 13 out of 13. It was a really strong display, especially as the game went on. But there were two VAR decisions that altered the game. And they altered the game because Listen, the first goal, 1-0, really well crafted, brilliant. Brighton were not on it. They were just not at the races. No. Odd team selection, really, I thought. I know that Roberto De Zerbi said to me afterwards it was to do with mentality and he was worried about you know, a bit of mental tiredness amongst his team. But I think if you, you set the tone, if you give a first Premier League start to an 18-year-old in a game against a team that are winning every single week at home and they're at the top end of the Premier League, I think you're, you're asking for a bit of trouble, really. Mm. Um, but... The first goal is fine, the second goal Good is goal offside, the, the third goal there's a foul in the build-up to it and both of those should have been ruled out because yeah. of VAR. 1-0 at half-time is different to 3-0. It is a different game. Um, I, I, I can't disagree. I thought the first goal was excellent. I really, I thought you know, it was a, a terrific goal, the first one. And, and I've watched Villa twice this season in the flesh and, and I sense, Sam, something is definitely happening. Crookie, I do. I feel something genuine is there, something tangible is back. Listen, for a long time, for a long, long time now, Villa Park had been a graveyard. It had been such a tough place for the home players to go and play. Um, for seasons, you know, probably had to go back to Martin O'Neill's time before you found a, a Villa team that were playing with confidence at home, long time ago. Um, I think they've got that back, and I think that is the bedrock of any team that it develops and the bedrock of any team that wants to threaten maybe the top six. And I genuinely feel that Villa can do that. I like the, the balance in the squad. I like the, 
the pace they've got. I think saying to Ollie Watkins, you are my man, you're absolutely the nine, uh, and go and do what you do, I think was a wise move. I like John Duran as a, as a change and as, a, as someone, an alternative. But I just like the balance of what they do, and, and I think uh, something genuine is happening. Ollie Watkins didn't do himself any uh, harm in terms of getting into the England squad in front of Gareth Southgate, getting a hat-trick. But he is just, he's a brilliant foil for everybody else that's around him. And I think, you know, Andy's right about the confidence. If you tell him that you are the number one man, he can thrive. Yeah, and I think he's the type of player that Gareth Southgate would love because of his attitude, because of his application. You know, he's come up from the EFL. He isn't a big-time Charlie or follow his manager's instructions. I think he deserves to be in this England squad on Thursday. I think you'd argue, certainly based on his last two performances, he obviously scored the winner at Chelsea as well, that he probably deserves to be in there ahead of someone like Marcus Rashford. So that's going to be fascinating to see which direction Gareth goes down. But I agree with Andy, you know, that I fancied Villa to achieve something decent this season. Well, you, you think they're going to finish above Newcastle, don't you? Well, I've got that bet with Jim White. I think it's going to be close. Uh, I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people expected. Obviously, Newcastle have kicked on now. They've won their last three Premier League games and they've won them with a minimal of fuss in the last two. So, Eddie Howe is building something as well. But I, I think Andy's right. I think the Aston Villa fans certainly have faith in this manager and in this group of players. I take on board what you're saying, by the way, about the decisions that changed the course of the game. But I've got to say, Brighton were really poor defensively. Really poor. And actually, when you concede six goals, you cannot blame VAR for what has happened in the game. There's no doubt about that. It's, they've conceded 11 goals in the Premier League now. There's far too many for a team that want to be in the top four. Spoke to Roberto De Zerbi afterwards and he said, hands up, we weren't good enough. And I actually quite like that. And I think it's better sometimes if you just walk into a room and say, totally my yeah. fault. Yeah. I put picked the wrong team. I've got it wrong. The tactics were wrong. We, we made a mistake. I think he started to tinker a little bit too much. You know, you see eight, nine changes. Obviously, they're trying to balance their European aspirations with the Premier League. Mm -hmm. Changes the goalkeeper a lot. I'm not a massive fan of that. I don't think defenders particularly like having the goalkeeper rotated. So I think he's still got to settle on a formula and on a top team because when they name their top team, they're a force Brighton, but maybe the, the squad depth isn't quite as strong as his constant tweaking well, he, suggests. He, I, think he, I think they thought it was strong enough, but ultimately I think when you change so much so often, it doesn't get a chance to bed in sometimes. I, I, I'm very surprised that the coaches and, and the this, as Crookie said, this rotating of goalkeepers, I, I find that, I find that uh, meddling. Why? To, uh, purely, Sam, because it is, behind your centre forward, it's the most important, and only just behind it, I think, the most important position in the team. A goalkeeper that's out of sorts, a goalkeeper that you're not sure of, a goalkeeper that you're not quite in situ, in sync with, sorry, uh, is the most debilitating thing that it can cost can you so dear. It can wreck a season. It can ruin your chances of European football winning trophies. If someone you put between the posts ain't good enough. And everyone in the team knows it. Everyone in the stand knows it. But for some reason, the coach wants to put him in because the coach wants to say, these two guys, I can do that. Because I'm that good. I'm, look, I'm that good a coach. I can put this one in when he don't play and he can be just as good as the one I'm taking out. It's the biggest load of rubbish you've ever heard in your life. There will always be a number one and there will always be a number two. Every player knows it in the squad. Everyone knows it in the ground. Stick to your number one. Right, let's move on quickly, take a look at some of the remaining fixtures and how they played out. Everton uh, beaten at home against Luton. Great for Luton, really pleased for them, but Everton are in massive trouble. Give me it in 30 seconds. That was a shocker. 
And I didn't see it coming. You know, they won their last Premier League game. They beat Villa in the Cup in the week. I know both teams made changes, but it felt like Everton was starting to get their act together. Calvert Lewin was. You fit. told me they were going to be okay. You said I've seen them yeah. on Wednesday night. I've been at Just Villa one Park. At Villa, yeah. yeah. I, I was shocked by that result. For me, if you take away Wolves, Man City, this was the most surprising result of the weekend. But do you know what Luton did? Luton got it in the box. They went back to what they could have. They put at. it in the box and they said, go on, we'll get the big guys in there and we'll look for the second ball. Even Tom Lockyer's goal was brilliant, the way that yeah. Ashley Young thinks he's clearing it off the line. He's chucked himself at it and it's in the back of the net. That's what Luton have got to do. Don't worry about trying to overdo it and overplay. And Carl Morris was brilliant in the game, Mate, wasn't he? Such a presence. He's going to be a handful. It, yeah, he gets is a handful. Get it in that box. And that's a real big win for Rob Edwards and his, and his players. And now they've got to keep it there at that level. Yeah, we mentioned Newcastle and their victory not going about them with any degree of fuss, just getting the job done and getting back out again. Burnley, though, still looking for their first Premier League win. In fact, all the teams that are still waiting for their first Premier League win are in the bottom three at this moment in time. And that also includes Sheffield United, who were beaten by West Ham by two goals to deal. Another relatively simple victory for David Moyes, who's done 900 games as a manager. Brilliant, Brilliant achievement. Yeah, Moyes, yeah. Fantastic, that is. I mean, look, you know, and, and, and we've, we, we applauded Fergie when in that incredible run that he had and the amount of games that he had where he was having to, and he openly admitted I've had to adapt and change I, and, and times move on and players are different different characters different breeds of players and you've got to go with the times Moises also had to do that he's had a certain type of player when he was at Everton and then he's had to move on and he's now had to cultivate something very different at West Ham and was on the back end of a lot of stick not long ago won him a European uh, trophy and again, looking consistent again right now. And that's what he does. Um, well, Forrest drew 1-1 against Brentford on Sunday. Rather underwhelming game, actually. Uh, but it was notable for, one, Forrest fighting back and getting a point when they were 1-0 down and went down to 10 men. Don't think we can have any arguments about the red card, no? No. I mean, he's had two nibbles. I think it could well have been a straight red as opposed to two yellows, to be honest. Yeah, um, but we did have a bit of a problem with the fact that um, there was a handball by Nicolas uh, Dominguez, who's just been transferred and actually scored the goal. Um, he had his hand right up beside the side of his head and the ball appeared to be headed onto it by the Brentford player inside the penalty area, yet VAR did not give a penalty. It looked like a clear handball to me. Probably tells you about how bad it was a weekend it was for VAR that this decision's almost gone under the radar. Do you think, do you think Rookie, because of what had happened at Spurs, do you then think all of a sudden, this is, this is what I'm talking about, about, about operating under pressure and, at the, and, and, and the demands of what we're asking these people to do. Do you think that there's a reluctance then all of a sudden, 24 we a hours later? Leak, we had a bit of a leak today from the, the room suggesting that they were taking a lot more care and time over every decision because they're still panicking it wrong. No, about getting it what right. What I mean is, Sam, rather than rather than being brave and making a call, yeah, yeah they're worried about all it. All of a sudden, it's like we'll There's just we'll just sit back and we'll just let that one go. And and now they're only human, and I understand that. But Howard has got to get those that operate best when their backs are against the wall, just like footballers have to. It sounds a little bit far-fetched to me. Um, Alex Crook, thank you very much. Andy, thank you very thank much. You, Enjoyed it. Absolutely brilliant. Once again, back on Thursday to preview all the weekend's action. Premier League All Access here twice a week to make sure you get your full football feel. Tell your friends about us. We're from TalkSport. We're available on the TalkSport app and of course on the TalkSport YouTube channel. The 
The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.